I go to different networking events and so forth, and all these entrepreneurs, including myself, for decades, bragged about our top line. Hey, we just achieved a million dollars in revenue. Look how big we are, or whatever the number was. It was about the vanity of that top line, but inside dying. I remember one woman in the parking lot after an event, I just saw her sobbing, uh, and I went over to her because uh, she was a friend of mine. I said, hey, are you okay? What happened? And um, what came out of it, she said, I'm, I'm in this networking event trying to sell. I actually have to shutter the doors this week. And she goes, I can't keep up this lie anymore. How would you like to speak to thousands of people in your pajamas without leaving your bedroom? Here's the thing. You need to be getting on podcasts yesterday. Why? Because podcasts are hot. Over 73 million Americans listen to podcasts and that number is growing every month. That's insane. Here's the problem. There are currently over half a million podcasts and finding the right ones is like finding a needle in a haystack. Podcast booking agencies charge thousands of dollars to book you on shows and they usually just spam podcasters like me. Hosts like myself get pitched all the time and we don't have time to research every potential guest. In fact, I turned down 95% of pitches. And this is why I created Podbooker. Podbooker.com is the first platform where guests can easily pitch hosts and hosts can find great guests. It's like a podcast dating site. Use our simple search algorithm to find the perfect hosts in seconds. Increase your acceptance rates with our bio templates, video pitches, and powerful profile pages. Easily communicate and follow up with hosts with a few clicks. Keep a record of all the podcasts you've been featured on. Learn how to become a rock star guest with our academy tutorials featuring award-winning podcast hosts and much, much more. So what are you waiting for? Head over to podbooker.com. Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Hey, fellow brain pickers, and welcome to episode 158 of Can I Pick Your Brain? Mike Michalowicz, founded two multi-million dollar businesses and then proceeded to lose his entire fortune. Driven to find better ways to grow healthy, strong companies, Mike created the Profit First Formula, a way for businesses to ensure profitability from their very next deposit. In our at times hilarious conversation, Mike shared some very counterintuitive advice, including how to transform your cash-eating monster to a money-making machine, how to get your kids invested in your business, why you should always pay yourself first, why only the bottom line matters and everything else is ego, how to escape credit card addiction and become debt-free forever, how to become financially free by ripping off the band-aids. So without further ado, I welcome to you the one and only Mike Michalowicz. Mike Michalowicz went to the... Well, well, <laughs> <laughs> you you got to leave that. That's the perfect I'm going to leave that leave in. Leave it in. <laughs> Jeez, leave man. Because your name, it's like Michael... Michael? No, Michal. Michael? Michael? Oh it's, it's, Wicks? Yeah. So Where are you long from? and Polish <laughs> and ugly and Im- impossible to pronounce. So uh, right. that was actually... Ironically, I would say you pronounced it in that bastardized introduction. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like like 50 percent better better than 50 percent of the people in the world so nicely done thank you it's mike M- mccallowitz right mccallowitz yeah 
Yeah. Well, I think that's how I pronounce it. Depends where. I, I, it's interesting. So I pronounce it Michalowicz. Um, I was visiting um, Europe, and there were some people from Eastern Europe, and they said, "Oh, it's Mihalovitz or Michalovich." So oh, you know, everyone has everyone has their own pronunciation. There is no right or wrong. Yeah, I just want to let the listeners know we will cover other topics. We will get off his just, name soon. Yeah. Don't worry. Okay, don't don't worry. There will be more. Um, so so Mike, I was telling you before we hit the record button that I've actually got I've got your book in front of me. You should be very proud. Um, Thank you. And uh, but I got halfway through it, which mm-hmm. it's 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 like a compliment, but an insult at the same time, right? It's like a, like if right. someone it's came a, up. My wife calls yeah. it a critique. It. It's a critique, <laughs> but you're kind of ticketing me with it. So it's, yeah. it's a kind of hurtful, but it's really meant to serve me. <laughs> right. It's a critique. It's a critique. <laughs> a critique. Right. Yeah. If someone told me they got through half my book, I'd be like, shut up and go and read the rest of it. What are you doing? <laughs> talking to me right now. Um, but uh, but so I'll tell you why. So I I'm yeah. not a technical kind of person, um, and I get easily overwhelmed if if things are not like you know I just I just yeah. get overwhelmed, and especially when it comes to money money situations, because I'm your typical guy that. I've made money, I've lost money, I've made lots of money, I've lost lots of money. My wife and I, we've been married for 12 years, we have five children, and we basically spend everything. We don't, yeah. we never save, never. Any extra money we have, we will just go and have a good time. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I so, feel you. Yeah. And, and you know what? And I'm the kind of person, and I want you to maybe, you know, tell me if I'm, well, you're going to tell me I'm wrong because you wrote the book, but I'm the kind of person that's like, who cares? Just like live life, enjoy it. Like you got the money now, yeah. just yeah. enjoy it. Why are you going to put, like, I, I know these people, I know these crazy, my mother-in-law people, I hope she doesn't listen to this, uh, <laughs> who like literally like puts every single penny aside and she, I, I will never ever go to the supermarket ever again with my mother, I promise you. Because yeah. it was a night. I mean, she literally picked up every the shampoo. Well, yeah, this is two hundred and fifty milliliters. Right, okay. right, right. But this oh one, God. are you freaking kidding me? I can't live yeah. like that. Or people who are on diets who literally measure, you know, how much. She, no, I prefer to die of obesity early and enjoy life than to. I mean, yeah, you, you get what I'm saying. So, well, both both are, in my opinion, manic states. Right. The I got a I got a dollar. Let me spend two. Is one form yeah. of mania, but the other one, <laughs> I got a dollar, I got a dollar, and I got to save this until I'm in the graveyard. That's another form. Of, right. That, that's another form of mania. So actually, I don't. I'm not a proponent of either. Okay. I let me start off by saying I think the most important thing for all of us, me and you, is to enjoy our money in the moment. The thing is, the caveat is not to enjoy all of our money. So, right. you know, when money flows into our business, uh, in our lives, uh, and I talk about the profit first, is that. A percentage of that money must be a reward mechanism that you you know you you, you spend it with your wife and go out for an amazing dinner or whatever your definition is of celebration because that results in an endorphin release and it actually anchors us into saying, hey, my business is actually giving me rewards. I mm-hmm. want more of this, so it actually causes positive momentum. But a large portion or a portion of that must also be reserved for our future because it's ha- it, you were, we were talking off air about this the peaks and valleys of your business, you know. You have yeah. all this money, which is wonderful, and then it goes all away. The amount of stress and the identity crisis we have is extraordinary. Yes. So, so it's there painful. really needs to be a balance. 
No, it's really, it's, it is. It's, and you know what? This is why I, I loved the first few chapters of your book because, right, you, you really paint that picture. You're like, you talk about how your business is an out of the, out of control cash eating monster. Uh, and, and how, you know, you get to the end of the month, you don't know how you're going to pay the bills, you don't know how you're going to pay the mortgage. And, and suddenly it's like creeping up on you and you're like, oh, you know, and you get that tightening in your stomach. And yeah, I, I trust, oh God, I've, I know that feeling all too well. And it's really frustrating. And when times are good, they're great and when times yeah. are bad they're really bad um so i really i, I want to get into this and i want to f- finish your book and i want to put it to action and when i say yeah. by the way your book you've written four now right uh five oh uh, sorry but, but only, only i'm counting <laughs> who's, so who's, yeah. who's, count, who's counting right um, so, and i'm having another one in the works um yeah, yeah yeah i'm Prophet, always listen, so, dude i am always like writing this this is my passion really um i want to tell you something about reading half the book yeah. That's okay, and that's actually normal. Um, I think it is my responsibility as an author within two to three chapters to give you enough actionable content that it will have an impact. I believe a business book like this, that if I can serve you within three chapters and you start getting momentum, then you'll come back to the book. I think it's a mistake mm-hmm. uh, to write a book that requires you to read the entirety of it to get started. So yeah. um, in, in Profit First, within uh, the first chapter, maybe it's the second chapter, uh, I lay out the system where you can get started, and I actually even say, if if this is starting to get overwhelming, put the book down, but do this one thing: set up one profit account yes. and start doing that. Yeah. So, so you're 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 normal. You're not the exception. Most people will never complete a book, but it's my responsibility to make sure that you don't skip on the process. And so, hopefully, you won't or haven't. No, I appreciate that. And look, I didn't I didn't put it down. It's still it's still open. Uh, it's still there, and, <laughs> and, and, we're, and yeah. we're talking, right? And that's right? cool. Like that's how books should be consumed. I think it's you know it's not a marathon. I, I read books that way, just like I got to get through this. I got to get through this. But that that's a burden. A book should be something that drives results. And as you're moving along, if it's not giving some kind of result, fulfillment, awareness, action, mm. actionable results where you're seeing more money in this case, if it's not delivering on it, abandon the book. Like uh, the goal of a book is not to read through it. The goal of a book, at least in the business space, I believe, is mm. to see results. So if you haven't gotten results, chuck the book. Uh, you know, right. it may serve you better as uh, as as kindling for your fireplace. Um, right. Don't feel an obligation to read, um, but do feel. I think readers should feel an obligation that if there is actionable advice in a book that they feel resonates with them, it's pertinent. They we have the responsibility to at least try it. Right, and you know you probably get this asked a lot, but. You know when things were going really when things are going really well, right? So then yeah. it's easy to it's easy to apply because you're just you know you're putting aside the ten percent. Oh, you're yeah. doing you know all right. It's all great, right? But what about if you know someone listening to this is actually at a point where they don't even know how they're going to pay their own salary, let alone you know everyone else's salary, right? Um, you know you can't you just you, you just don't have any, there's nothing, there's nothing there to put aside. Mm. So well, what do you say yeah, to so someone or someone in credit card debt? Yeah. Here's the irony. You have nothing to put aside. That's actually when the system serves you the best. It's painful, but you must take stuff and put it aside. Here's the thing. The, the, the core concept of profit first is exactly in that title. Take your profit first. If a hundred dollars comes into your business today, take a predetermined percentage, allocate it toward profit. If what dollar comes in or millions of dollars comes in, the percentage always stays the same. So even if you know you normally expect, uh, I don't know, ten thousand dollars to come to your business every week or whatever the number is, but this week only fifty dollars comes in, you still have to take that percentage, the the five 
50 cents, if it was 10%, 50 cents of that $50 goes into, or I'm sorry, $5 of that $50 goes into a profit account. The reason we need to do this is the remaining money is used to operate the business. And now this is your business speaking to you. It says, listen, you don't even have $50. You only have $45 to run your business. You need to make some cuts of unnecessary expensive expenses, and we need to amplify margins big time right away. Mm-hmm. So you have to stick with the discipline, particularly when it's hard. Because what most people do when times are hard, they say, I just got to sell more. I got to sell more. And uh, as the sales hopefully increase, uncannily, the expenses increase with it because they have no controls around those expenses. And then they're like, oh my gosh, the expenses are growing out of control. I need to sell more. Oh my gosh, there's more expenses. I need to sell more. Hmm. And there's this mania about focusing on sales. They never put a profit system in place. So it's mandatory to do, particularly during the hardest times. What about um, you've got staff working for you? Okay, so you are responsible to pay for their salaries, yeah. right? Or yeah. you have other business expenses that, that you need it to run the business. You're servicing the clients, right? You've got a service-based business, so you're servicing the clients and you need those tools, resources, whatever it is. So you've got to pay for those things. And yeah. you you are at a point where basically it's either I pay them or I pay me. Right. You're saying right. you still pay you first? You've got to pay you first. So you know, How can you do that though? I mean, you've got... Uh, Obligations to- and commitment, and, and you yeah. commit to these people. And uh, what we do is we we try to save our colleagues by killing ourselves. And uh-huh. I'll tell you, the most important employee at any organization, small business, is inevitably the owner. No one has the drive or the commitment for its success. And if you aren't being rewarded, it's only a matter of time before resentment kicks in. Where we like this business sucks. I'm I'm doing all this work to support others. So we actually start to loathe our own business, and that's a real dangerous position to be in. And then the next thing is then then self implosion. I, I got to get a job on the side to keep my business going, or I got to shut the door. I can't do this work anymore. And the day you leave, the entire business collapses. So by not saving yourself, you are compromising everybody. So with that that I mean, paradigm, in theory, that, that, in theory that, that sounds great in theory, right? But let's yeah. get let's get practical for a second, okay? Uh, hi Judy, um, I got your you know I got your uh, in, invoice. Um, you know I kind of need to pay me first, so you know couldn't really pay the invoice. Uh, hope you don't mind. It's you know going to be another month till till we pay it. Well, you know, or or even worse off. Hey, you know, sorry I can't pay your salary, uh, Cindy, because it just uh, we just don't have any money for it. You know, Cindy's not going to hang around. She's gonna be like, no, oh, no, and she uh, shouldn't. You know, in both those scenarios where it's like, I can't do it this time, maybe next month, that's called kick the can. You know, when when you take your profit first, when you pay yourself first, your business will tell you what it realistically has available to sustain your profitability and your pay. I mean, the whole reason we got into the business, I hope, in part, is for financial freedom. That's mm-hmm. why we did it. And then we say, well, we're not going to worry about that. And it devastates us. So we have to say, I've run this business for my own financial freedom. That's why I started it. And uh, other people, if they desire their own financial freedom, they can start their own business. Then we have to say, I have to go to Cindy and all these different people and say, listen, um, I've put myself in a position where it's extraordinarily unhealthy. This is devastating for me to do it, uh, to do this, but I will not be able to pay you going forward. So I'm going to cancel your services or to let you go. It's not because of you. This is truly because of me. And I've built something that's unsustainable. It's facing the 
and being integral about the flaw is you. But most of us are afraid to face the truth. And so most of us say, oh, I'm going to compromise myself so I don't have to tell this vendor and my employee the reality that I'm struggling. And I'm just going to just somehow pay them again, but I'll keep Mm -hmm. on compromising myself. That puts us in the trap of loathing our business. So we got to rip off the Band-Aid. We have to have an integral, candid conversation and say, I can't pay you going forward. I don't have the money. And it is only with integrity that I can say to you, I got to stop so that I don't put you in a position where you're doing work and there's not enough money to pay you because I'm already not paying myself. So that's how you got to do it. Wow. Wow. That is, (laughs) that is tough. It's all oh, freaking that hard. Really and that's tough. why so many business owners, it's, it's rather, we'd rather placate the expenses at our own compromise than, than being healthy. And, and here's the shameful way it manifests, Daniel. I go to different networking events and so forth, and all these entrepreneurs, including myself, for decades, bragged about our top line. Hey, we just achieved a million dollars in revenue. Look how big we are, or whatever the number was. It was about the vanity of that top line, but inside dying. I remember one woman in the parking lot after an event, I just saw her sobbing, uh, and I went over to her because uh, she was a friend of mine. I said, hey, are you okay? What happened? And um, what came out of it, she said, I'm, I'm in this networking event trying to sell. I actually have to shut her to the doors this week. And she was, I can't keep up this lie anymore. Um, that, that's what we're doing. Right. You, know, it's that, you see on Shark Tank all the time, by the way. Compromise. What were you saying? Well, I was going to say, I watch Shark Tank uh, and you see all the time people come in, they're like, yeah, we did a million dollars. And you're like, whoa. And then they're like, and then yeah. they start diving in. They're like, okay, well, how much How much did you take home? And they're like, um, $20,000. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, yeah. how does that yeah. even happen? My God. And you see it over and over again. It's crazy. But that's what the, con- the conversation needs to be that. You know, stop saying how big is your business. Start asking how healthy is your business. Hmm. Yeah. So the the other thing that I, I also, I'm just telling you what the monkey in my brain is telling me. Um, he says, ah, come on, what's, what 10%, what, you, you say to put aside 10%, that's one of the things you, you say that's to do, one right? That's 1%. Yeah. One, yeah, right? it doesn't have to be 10%. And actually, I'd argue when you start this process, if you've never been profitable historically, actually yeah. start at 1%. So that's going to be, the, that's going to prove well, my point even more. I mean, that's going to make my question even stronger, right? Because 10%, uh-oh. yeah, because 10%, I was going to say, nah, what's 10% already? Like, is that going to be a massive, like, you know, especially if someone's running a small business, you know, 10% of the profit is, it's not going to be a lot. So ah, it's not really going to add up that much. But you're going to tell me 1%, even more so. It's like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, not, it's not doing anything. What's the point, you know? Yeah. Well, the point is this. It's like, uh, it's building a muscle. And I'll tell you, the first, I started prop first for myself. Uh, 10 years ago now. And so the, I've had 40, actually more than 40, 42 consecutive quarters of profit distributions. And they've become sizable because I've grown my business healthily. But the first quarter profit distribution 10 years ago was my favorite. It was $8. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> okay, and wow. I'll tell you, Woo! I was driving over to Starbucks, uh, which I know is the worst coffee ever, but that's where I went. I went to Starbucks, mm-hmm. got myself uh, a coffee. It was, I, I think it was the best coffee I've had in my life because the business paid for it. There was no debt. There was no credit card used. It was a cash distribution. And I sat there and toasted myself and said, oof, I got this. And it starts building the muscle. I'm like, if I can do $8, I wonder if next quarter I can do $16, double, double up on it or 32. Mm-hmm. And it starts growing like that. It, it's like, if you decide to start exercising, I have a, a coach. I'm, I'm actually doing a run this, uh, this weekend in two days. I'm heading out to do a run. And so I had a coach that came on board and he says, I'll tell you the secret to running a marathon. 
the very first day of practice, you don't run a marathon. Mm -hmm. And that's what most people actually think. It's like push yourself as hard as you can. He said the first practice is going to be stretching exercises and learning proper running form. We're going to build over six months or a year to the marathon standard. And that's what we do with profit first. In the beginning, it's just doing the exercise right. So we're going to start off with 1% just so you start seeing it go in there and start having the little endorphin releases that come out when you see that little profit. And then maybe next quarter we go to 2 or 3%. And then we start increasing it. And you ease into it. And ultimately, maybe you get your profit up to the numbers that you've ever dreamed of, but it takes two years to get there. But you have to build that muscle. Right. And so what happens if you, you're married to someone who likes to spend, right? Um, yeah. And it, take my wife for example. Take my wife, and she and she, you know, she wants to she wants to buy whatever it is, a whole new wardrobe. She wants to go on vacation somewhere, or whatever it is, right? Now, if I'm doing your formula and I'm putting aside, it, it it's probably very tempting for me. Or it's going to be very tempting for me to say, you know what? This month, I'll just kind of you know, because my wife, you know, I want to I want to make my wife happy, right? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, wh how do you stay disciplined? Yeah, so there's two things that are, are moving, going on here. One, I'm going to talk about the subconscious level. I felt that exact same way. I remember looking at my wife's buying and spending stuff, and I'm like, wow, she's the spender here. i got to control this. <laughs> when I really analyzed the numbers, yeah. my wife was not the spender. It was me. Yeah. But I was justifying as business expenses. I need that new computer equipment. I need this to run the business. Mm -hmm. I was spending about 50 times more than she was, but was cloaking it as a business excuse. Interesting. So, Who's the real spender, right? That's, we got to get real integral about that. And often we blame someone else, our spouse. But the other component, too, is we have to achieve a life standard. Um, and what that is, is in Profit First, I separate out an account. I call it owner's compensation. The owner's compensation is the payroll, if you will, for the owner. That is what we have to live our life off of. And we have to have a clear conversation with our significant other and explain, hey, this is how much I'm taking from the business as a paycheck. We have to live our lives off this. And you can actually implement profit first. I call it profit first life. You can implement it in your personal accounts too. The profit account though in the business, that comes out quarterly. And there's behavioral reasons behind this. But when that money comes out, that's the celebratory account. And how we do it at our house now is um, – uh, the a portion goes to my wife and, and I, and we celebrate with it. She gets, she actually bought a, a purse that she was pining to have recently with, <laughs> with her profit distribution. I, I uh, went and I'm, I'm saving up to buy an ATV. That's my little yeah. Uh, desire. Yeah, bring it and to then, Israel. Lots of hills here to go up. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Where I live too, it's <laughs> six million hilly. And so it's perfect. And then for my children, because they're investors in my business, not financially, but by sacrificing time with me, um, mm. they all get a distribution. Oh, and so that's cool. how we manage it. So that's Wait, how does their that work? I, I like that idea. So how, how old are your kids? Well, now my kids are, when we started this 10 years ago, my youngest was seven at the time uh, oh, when we okay. started doing this, maybe actually younger. But now uh, my youngest is 17. I have, I have two in their 20s. Cool. And, uh, oh, so what we do is we just give them a fixed dollar amount. Um, it'll be $100, $200 each or whatever. Depends okay. on how, the, the size of the profit distribution. But I'll tell you this, my, my son, he was in kindergarten when we started this, right? He was just was turning seven. And uh, <laughs> I do the first distribution. He got like 50 cents or whatever. Uh, <laughs> okay. the, the next next quarter, my my kindergartner comes to me. He goes, hey, daddy, how's Q2 looking? How's, <laughs> how's Q2 looking? And, looking. A kinder, and, so, you know, and he got his dollar. And I'll tell you, they're, they're entrenched in the system. They understand now the wow. value of profit. 
and that is a reward mechanism to shareholders. And oh there is there is sacrifice. You have to invest in some way. And they in their regards, it's they know their investment is daddy's not around all the time. Um, mm, interesting. I think it's also prepared them for you know the traditional definition of investing, where if they buy stock or something, they're going to make sacrifice of their own money with the hope of getting a profit return. So that's yeah. how we do it. I can just picture my kids going, come on, daddy, you can do it. Come on, get those percentages. Oh, up. totally. Come on. I want to get totally. an iPad. I, it, it's a, listen, <laughs> it works so well. I like to play uh, Texas Hold'em with some friends every so often. Mm -hmm. Whenever I win, I share the money. And here's the great lesson. In the past, when I was going out to play Texas Hold'em, my kids would be like, daddy, stay home and play, you know, or whatever. And I get it. My wife would be like, why are you going out? Now, when I come home with the winnings, they go, hey, when, when are you playing Texas Hold'em next? <laughs> <laughs> right. That's brilliant. So, um, but here's, here's a question for you. Um, where do you see... In other words, if a, if a business right now is hemorrhaging, right, where are the best places to start cutting costs? So where, where, where are the, the most obvious places to start? Yeah, so uh, for many businesses, it's actually staff and mm. uh, your main overhead, which is often, if you have space, it's rent of space or subscriptions, software mm. subscriptions if you're a virtual business. It's yeah. usually the starting points. Now, Staff is the painful one because we've made emotional obligations to people. Hey, you know, I, I got you a right. job and you're, you're going to work for me. And you rely and the, on them as well. Yeah, yeah. And the reality, but the reality is uh, you are failing to serve them. You've put the position, the business is in great jeopardy. And if you save, try to save one person uh, and let the whole corporate ship sink, you've actually killed off everyone. Uh, a slow, painful, drowning death. If you rapidly say, listen, I got to let you go because of my erroneous ways. And it, listen, it is a hard conversation. I've done it. I've been in tears saying this. I'm able, though, to let go one or two people um, that hopefully will find better careers and jobs elsewhere and bring stability to my company to save the remaining folks. You know, that's what I have to do. So um, start there. Uh, look at your uh, subscriptions and stuff like that. But also look at your own spend. Entrepreneurs, myself in particular, are notorious that as our income in the business increases, that we use that to justify a lifestyle increase, but they aren't necessarily linked. So I get the bigger house. I get the, uh, the, the, the business pays for the expensive car for me to drive around, and I justify it all. I got to have that nice car so my, my clients think I'm successful, so they, right. they buy from me, which is all nonsense. Yeah. We got to get out of the secrets. And I will yeah. tell you this. When you tear the Band-Aid, tear off the entire Band-Aid. Don't like say, okay, I'm going to let one person go and see next week how I do and then maybe let someone else go and then maybe cut back. No, do it all in, in, in one sitting because once this is done, we need our focus not to be on saving and cutting expenses and worrying about that for ourselves and our colleagues. What we need to do is tear it off, right the ship right away, and then start marching forward in improved health. Oh, boy. Wow. That, I mean, that is, that is really tough. Getting well, jacked up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, my head almost like hit the microphone like twice. I'm like, come on, you got to do this. You got to do this. Come and on. what about like scaling up? How do you know, how do you know how fast you can scale up? How do you know when, when to, when to hire the next person? Yeah. So the beautiful thing with Profit First is uh, you start building cash reserves for different responsibilities. One of them is your profit we talked about. One's for paying for the owner. Um, you will build an, a cash equity position when you follow the system in the book so you have cash reserved. Here's a great trick if you want to hire a future employee. The biggest dilemma for small employee, employers is hiring an employee is a big cost. And if you 
look at it. It really is. If I'm a one-person business and I hire one additional full-time person, I've doubled my size. That's 100% growth. Mm-hmm. That's like Google making an announcement today. I think they have 150,000 employees saying, we're hiring 150,000 more employees today. Yeah. You know, you'd be like, what? How can Google <laughs> handle that and absorb that? They can't, not right. easily. So it's, it's the equivalent. So it is a big risk. So most businesses say, I can't afford it, therefore – or I don't know if I can afford it. So I'm going to work harder and longer until I can afford it. But I need the income for myself and we stay trapped working harder and longer and not hiring. What about Here's taking, a out, a way credit, to do what about taking out a credit card? Oh, well, just... you could do a credit card, but I'm, I'm totally against that. Instead, okay. set up oh, a God. new account called Future Employee. It's a bank account. Okay. Start peeling off some of your inbound cash flow and reserving it for that employee before you hire them. You're basically paying a salary for a person that doesn't exist. This will prove out the cash flow component. Either your business can afford to pay it or not. And that's the first question. Can I afford it or not? Once you're allocating money to this account, and I've done it in my own business for three months, six months, I'm like, okay, I can easily afford this. My business is adjusted to this, and I can sustain this employee. Now I'm going to go out and make that higher. Well, now when I make it higher, I have six months of cash reserve just for their salary. So now it's not a rush like you got to join, and by tomorrow you got to be making money. Now it's you got to join. I got to train you up, prepare you so you go in strong and start making money in a month or two. So I have a runway now to get this employee on and establish the right way. Okay. Now you said you are against credit cards, but yeah, I mean, how many Americans live off credit cards? Like, oh, like 99.999999%. Yeah. Go on. And 99.9999% are in, in debt, irrevocable debt, meaning they can't get out of it. And dude, I was one of them. I remember, I remember how much debt were you my in? Finance, I had, I had, I think it was $75,000 of credit card debt. Wow. I, was a pl- I was so desperate. I remember things were so bad for me after I lost all my money, not understanding how money works. That's why I created Profit First, honestly, it was for myself. I had so much debt. I'm listening to the radio, and on the radio, the announcer says, the average American has $5,000 of credit card debt. And mm. I scream out loud, I want to be average. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, God. I, I, yeah. So... I, I carry no credit card debt now. Here's what, what it is, is if your business can't afford to do something now, um, your business is telling you something needs to be improved in the business to afford it. Credit is borrowing from someone else to do something. And when we borrow from someone else, we often do arbitrary things. I think Facebook ads may serve me. We don't really calculate the return. A good investment is where I know I'm going to put a dollar in today, and within 60 days or 90 days, I'll get two dollars back out, and I'm I have a, a near 100% assurity of that. That's something where you should maybe borrow from. But most businesses, it's arbitrary. It's just shooting from the hip. Oh, we needed this. We need that new computer. We need this. We need that, and we rang up, ring up credit card debt, which is arbitrary. I believe in debit. I use debit cards for my business. Um, and every time that I need to make a transaction, because the convenience of a physical plastic card is wonderful, yeah. I use a debit card, which means I swipe it, and that money comes out of my account right away. I feel the pain. I reconsider mm-hmm. purchases because the money's happening. Now, one last thing about credit cards. They are designed, they use behavioral strategies to make us addicted to credit cards. You know, Swipe that card, no pain. If I can delay the, uh, the pain of taking money out of your account for 30 days or even 60 days, I know you're more likely to spend a lot more money now. Oh, and if I put points in it, that's the rat poison that everyone will swallow up. That's you what know, I was about oh, to say. What about the points? What about the hotel the, stays? Hey, miles. Daniel, they're effing with our minds. They are, it is no, a total behavior. I want trap. that. <laughs> yeah, you're right. They've addicted us to that rat. That rat poison, it is the cocaine of credit cards. Do you know, so, I'm, okay. I'm so glad I'm speaking to you because actually this week, I, I, I promise you, I, do, I don't own a credit card right now. 
I Go don't. On. Everything's Good. debit. Everything's debit. But I see all my friends are like collecting points and they're like, oh yeah, I'm staying in the Hilton for a couple of nights with the wife, you know. Oh, yeah. on, for free. What? How? Uh, points. Oh, this guy's yeah. flying first class. How, w w upgrade for free. How? What? Points. So now I'm yeah. thinking, okay, that's it. And I started searching. I went yesterday and started like going on this whole hunt. Where can I get the most amount of points and how many, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. How many all this stuff, right? I'm starting to apply for it. I got a solution for you. So yeah. uh, first of all, the, the realization, we have to have the the intelligent realization that that is crack cocaine and that guy who's flying first, <laughs> who's flying first class um he's racking he's racking up debt and his future is bleak because uh, really? that debt will continue to accumulate <laughs> but here here's here's the but here's the hack i found a company i have no affiliation with them i did speak with them once i think it's a phenomenal idea there's a company called debitize and uh, i think it's debitize.com what they do is they allow you to use your credit card, but every time you use your credit card, they pull from your bank account immediately and pay the credit card. So they make your credit card act like a debit card, but you still get the points. So if you're so hmm. convinced you need points, use Debitize, and it'll act like a debit card. And that's Debitize.com, sponsored by... Okay, okay, fine. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. They just paid me $5,000 to say that. Yeah. Now, no, I have no affiliation with them whatsoever besides admiring what they do. So you wrote also Pumpkin Plan, uh, Toilet yeah. Paper Entrepreneur, Surge. Yeah. What, what was the yeah. other one? Uh, well, Clockwork. Is oh, the yeah. newest. Clockwork, right. Oh, man, I need to get a hold of that one. Sounds good. Um, so talk to me about Toilet Paper Entrepreneur. That sounds really interesting. Yeah, the summary of that, that was my first book. Um, and what my understanding, my realization was it's the lack of things that actually triggered the greatest success in businesses. I studied all these different businesses mm -hmm. and found when a business didn't have enough money to get started, they were often more successful than their contemporaries. So true. The reason was yeah. lack of money forces innovation, out-of-the-box thinking. When they didn't have um, clients in the beginning uh, or a network of friends that would buy from them, they had to make something that was saleable from day one. So they actually made better products and better offerings. When, um, when, when they went in with a lack of experience, they actually broke the rules of the industry and, uh, and therefore reset the industry. So Toy Paper mm -hmm. Entrepreneur is all about leveraging lack. I love that. It's so, it's, so, it's so true. I see people all the time, they're like faffing around with the website and then, then the logo and trying to find the right designer and this and that. And it's like, dude, get a client. Just get, yeah. get, just get a client first and then you could worry about the website. Like with my, with my company, I remember we, we, we signed up our first client. We didn't have a website. We didn't have a logo. I don't even know if we had a name. You know, it's like, <laughs> okay, which, uh, what do we put on the invoice? You know what I mean? But that's, that's the best type of businesses because, you know, the ones that I spent so much time trying to make it look pretty and try to come up with the best, they, those didn't work. They ju I just, it's just like total waste of time. Oh, total waste of time. Yeah. yeah. How many businesses start and they take their, they have a thousand or two thousand dollars saved to start and they spend all on that logo that yeah. no one gives a shit about. No one but I bought that because do. the blue we, we, shade in the logo just attracted Right, right, oh, yeah, right, exactly. It's just, just a slightly different blue it. and that, that's the fix. Yeah. No one cares. Right. You know, it is the lack of money that forces us to get to the brass tacks, which is, do I have something that is persuasive enough and have enough service that someone will depart with money to purchase? Do you think it's because we're lazy? Is that is that the reason? It's, we're just we're just you know we, we're in a we're in a generation where everything is is so easy. I mean, we put we put something in the microwave, it heats up in two minutes. You know, we switch on a light, it's boom. We go to the bathroom, flush, done. Yeah. Right? So I, yeah, I don't know if it's lazy. I, I actually think entrepreneurs are extraordinarily hard workers. I think though, 
we have tunnel vision. I think ego plays a big in thing into it. Mm-hmm. I cared about my logo because I wanted to look impressive to others. That's my ego. I, and others didn't care. I wanted the nice office space so I could impress others. Not really. It was, well, it was so I could impress others so they would think highly of me. It's mm-hmm. all ego. And what about fear? Think, Could it be yeah. also we procrastinate, yeah. we push it off? You know, the more I work on the logo, the less I need to actually like get down to the dirty work of getting rejected because you're going to get oh, rejected. Oh, right, right. And that, that's ego again, right? And that's the truth. Uh, that's the interesting. honest truth. Yeah, Sales is, is rejection. And that is so painful. It is much more joyous to sit around and, and create a website or do a logo. Mm. And I think also having a big team as well, like we were talking before about, you know, letting go of staff and how this, oh, and all ego. Part, part of that is ego too. Like, oh, you know, how many people work for me, you know? And well, the I two most common questions, next time you meet an entrepreneur, the two most common questions entrepreneurs have of each other, yeah. it's always <laughs> how big is a question? How much <laughs> sales do you have? And yeah. how many employees do you have? Right. And we, we pound our chest. We're like, oh my gosh, I have such a big business. <laughs> Who cares? I, well, everyone yeah before cared. Uh, but when I go to a meeting and someone's like, how big is your business? I said, Oh, you know what? Let's start off with a better question. How healthy is your business? And you see people shrink down and go, what? I've yeah. never heard of that before. Yeah. And I used to shrink away from that too. I- I'm proud of my bottom line, the, the, how much profit's going into my I'm proud of your business. And I'm actually, line. I want to keep my business small. I want to have as few employees generating as much profit as possible. That's the new standard. That's a brilliant, that's a brilliant stand to go for. And the truth is, you know, what's really interesting, Mike, um, I have this this whole platform that I'm building now, and uh, you know I've had this idea for a long time, and I and I know it could be a huge success, but I've just been pushing off, pushing off, pushing off, waiting for the right time, and I, I met this guy who's got this this massive office. You know Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv is like this uh, yeah. <clears throat> big 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 city in, in in Israel, right? Very successful entrepreneurs. I went there to meet with this guy. He has about a hundred employees. He's got he's he's got a whole floor in this this high rise building. Uh, I walk in there. You feel like a million bucks, right? Security with the this and the that. Right, right. In, You know, and he's got his own. You know, his his he's got his glass office overlooking all the ants working for him. And you know, he's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just a, it's just like wow, power, right? And I sat in that office and I felt so wow. This could be me one day, right? Right? Yeah, I remember yeah, yeah. this. I remember this happening to me, and um, you know, and and he was like a almost like wow, like a wow, you know, and and he told me about how he can open these doors for me, you know, the, the investors and 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 partners and this and that, and I got really excited, and then I walked out of his office and I wanted to throw up. Really, what yeah, you had I the wa- realization? I, I wanted to throw up, and I I got in the car and I drove home. And I got on the phone with my wife, and my wife was like, "So, how was it, honey? How'd it go?" And I said, ah, "I don't want it. I don't. I, I don't nice. want that." And she's yeah. like, "I know exactly what you mean. I yeah. don't want to be that slave. I don't want. I, he, I felt like it, it was a beautiful glass prison." You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's yeah, what it yeah, was like. It's like look how beautiful my prison cell is. I've got diamonds hanging over here, and I've got this. But you're in a freaking prison cell. I don't want that. I, I, you know, yeah. he's telling me about his investors and how they cap his salary and how they tell him he has to do this and has that. He has to be here. Mm-hmm. Has to, I don't want that. And he's got partners that he has to decide whether the partner allows him to do it. What? No, that's not why I went into business. And I realized, my God, you know, you watch Shark Tank and they go, eh, I think you got a lifestyle business. Poo poo. And you know, that's why I was afraid to say it. I'm not afraid to say it now. I love my lifestyle business. Right, right, right. right. I freaking love it. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. 
I play tennis today yeah, at I, two I, in the afternoon, all right? Now, who could do that if you've got all those investors and staff and everything else? I love that. Sorry, got yeah. too excited there for a so, minute. Don't, don't be sorry. Jeez, you just called yeah. the truth. The right size business can find us. You know, sadly, the cover of the magazines point, you know, to all these entrepreneurs and they define success by Elon Musk, who has Tesla and uh, doesn't leave. He had that story where he hasn't left the office for, I think it was eight consecutive days, sleeping <laughs> in his office yeah. just to keep the business going. Yeah, he missed crazy. his brother-in-law's or his brother's like wedding ceremony, the celebration afterwards. He missed it. Like that is, that's a definition of failure. That was Slavery. irony. So, so Listen, I'm not saying Elon Musk is a failure. I'm saying we all have a choice and that there isn't one definition of success. We can define what it is. And uh, we don't have to be beholden to our business. In fact, that is the only definition, of, I think, of failure for entrepreneurs is when the business is being carried on our back. We can define a free lifestyle that, uh, that brings joy to us. And, and any size business can do that. It's just up to you to pick what size business that is. And they're all great. I love it. And at the end of the day, it's it's I've I've written in my book here. I wrote, "Is this giving me more freedom or less freedom?" And I've started asking go. myself that for everything I do. I'm asking myself that one question: Is this giving me more freedom or less freedom? And and quite frankly, I believe uh, everyone listening to this, you, you've got to grab the book um, Profit First because if you if you are like me and you're looking for freedom and you want a healthy business and you don't care about all the crap out there about how big is this and how big is that. Get a copy of it, go through it, and and more importantly, put it to action. Um, Mike, I really appreciate it, and I respect your time. I know you have to go. Uh, you've got another um, meeting Meeting to get to. Run to. Yeah, right. I'm beholden to a meeting. Yeah, you slave. <laughs> I'm funny. free. I, I can but, do whatever I but want. But a meeting yeah. that I set up, and, and I can't wait to right. actually get to. But, I, <laughs> right. Daniel, this has been a joy talking with you. And yeah. uh, thank you for the aha moment or, or being so emphatic about a lifestyle business. That's why we're in business to support our lives. We're not in our lives to support business. I appreciate that, and, and thank you so much for letting me pick your brain. And thank you to all my fellow brain pickers. I'm looking forward to the day when I'll be picking. You've been listening to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth. So to put these ideas into action, head over to DanielGeffen.com.